Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Andrew, I've been getting you into me without you, or at least getting you to listen to them. How has that been going? Well, it's been interesting. Uh, as we sort of discussed already offline, I, I, I didn't really uh, didn't really expect the sort of uh, you know more theatrical inflections of like sort of like a, a mid to late aughts December's kind of album that 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 I that I heard off the few songs I listened to, or at least the ones that are their most popular on Spotify. Uh, it, it's it's been interesting to to sort of see them blend those kind of influences with more of like a you know like a post hardcore sound. It's, it's definitely not what I expected from from a band opening for Paramore on the Parahoid Cruise, which is one of the few things that I, I, I admittedly knew about them going into this. No, into this that's process. that's definitely weird, and they are very open with that. And we spend the first five ten minutes of this podcast discussing how they came to be friends with Paramore and how they came to be the only band besides Paramore to play every Paramore cruise. Every Paramore, every one, oh, all I didn't three. Even realize that one. All three lifers. That, that, that's that's quite a legacy. Now, you know, we we talked about how a couple of the, these songs have sort of nautical themes to them. Did, did, did those sound like particularly appropriate on the Parahoy cruise? You know, you're out you're out to sea and they're singing about first mates and stuff. No, I don't. No? I don't think any of this music particularly sounds like music you would hear on a Norwegian cruise line. No, no maybe not. But you know, it's out. It's out to sea at the very least. <laughs> it's out to sea. They talk about how they got seasick. They oh, talk really? about that very openly in this podcast. All right, well that makes sense. There's a sort of queasy, queasy quality to some of the songs that I listened to earlier. So there's a queasy quality to the members who speak on this podcast. Really? So this was my conversation with Michael Weiss, the guitarist, and drummer Ricky Mazzada on the second day, the afternoon of the Paramore cruise, Parahoy, which sailed from Miami to the Bahamas last month. It was really fun. This is one of several interviews that I did on board. It was a blast talking to these two dudes from me without you about where they came from, about the Philly rock scene, about the Christian post-hardcore heavy rock scene so that they were to discuss that there. they were adjacent to and they really did a great job of putting it all into context and just looking back on it as the members of this band and where they're headed and they told me about their new album which was really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited to listen. I'm excited to, to learn more about this band that, that uh, did not meet my, my preconceptions of what they would sound like. 
as I walked out the door from this interview, we were talking Sixers specifically about the prospect oh, I, of I, I LeBron. Didn't even ask, yeah. Of LeBron, what would happen if he joined the Sixers? And then what do they have to say about uh, the, the post LeBron Sixers? We we were all like not super into the idea. It, it's a it's a it's a sort of thought that's gaining steam. Although we'll, we'll see, you know, that they struggled against the Celtics last night. If they lose this series, <laughs> uh, I think there might, like, be, we'll, might we'll, be more gratitude we'll for the, the presence of LeBron. Flag. Yeah, we'll, there you we'll, go. Say, we'll take some. Uh, we'll take the cheat code. But, we'll, but as someone who has uh, been very firmly in the uh, no thanks LeBron camp, I, I'm glad to hear that me without you are on, on the right side of history there. Yeah, or the wrong side. We'll see. Them and their producer for their new album, Will Yip, all very big Philadelphia sports fans. Trust the process. So Will is, uh, he's, he's working on this new album with them, which is just about done. It's probably done by the time you hear this. They told me estimation, fall for release, label is TBA for now. Their last one came out in 2015. It was called Pale Horses, and it came out on Run For Cover Records, a really cool label. Sounds like the new one could come out on Run For Cover. It could maybe, I'm just surmising here, could come out on Will's own label, Black Cement, that's his imprint with Atlantic, or I'm sure there's any other number of labels that would want to put out a Me Without You record in 2018 because this album sounds like it's going to be really cool. They called it heavy. It's going to have some screaming on it, which is kind of a new frontier for them. And they've really endeared themselves to, I think, a, new, a younger generation of rock bands who really like are into what they've been about. So if you had your druthers, where, where, where would you see me without you slotting in label-wise these days? What, what would be the best home for them? I'd love to see more bands join up with Will's label, so something with Black okay. Cement would be cool. That makes sense. These guys were on Tooth & Nail Records back in the day, and that's probably, you know, that's really what broke them. I think they mm-hmm. would admit that from just being a band with a very small audience that made kind of difficult music to a band that still made difficult music but had <laughs> a, much larger a, mo- a moderately larger audience because Tooth & Nail Records back in the early 2000s, they had artists like Under Oath and Norma Jean and May and Anne Berlin, some bands that had some commercial success. And Me Without You was always on the weirder end of this, but if you were really deeply into that that scene of bands, like a good amount of people were, then like... You fucked with some some me without you. All right, well, well, Philadelphia represent and uh, God bless me without you. And look on their new album. <laughs> so, uh, uh, b- before we jump into this, I want to say please excuse the, the sound quality. It's not what it normally is on one of these episodes. This was just literally just me walking into their stateroom with a recorder and two handheld mics. So old school baby. We, we we made it work. Just picture picture me, Michael and Ricky. Sitting in Ricky's stateroom with the, the the balcony open, the door open, gazing at the Atlantic, talking about weird ass music and the Sixers, <laughs> and uh, playing us into into my conversation. Here's a little bit of a, a one of the hits, one of the hits to get you into me without you. This is a sweater poorly knit, followed by my interview with Michael and Ricky. Enjoy. You're a door without a key. Without a fence, you made a holy fool of me And I thanked you ever since And if she comes circling back We'll end where we've begun Like two pennies on the train track A train crush into one But if I'm a crown without a king If I'm a broken open seat If I come without a thing Then I come with all I need No boat out in the blue No place to rest your head The trap I set for you Seems to have caught my leg instead
thinking about the fan base, it is a lot of the same people who were probably around for the first cruise back with Tegan and Sarah and everyone like five years ago. And I mean, I'm sure some of them were familiar with me without you, but probably for a lot of people here on this cruise, it's just been like a succession of each each year them getting more used to what you guys are about. Like I said, they're being force fed our <laughs> band uh, by Paramore. Which is cool for us, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of singing along, and people seem to be nodding their heads at the right part, so it felt like a synchronicity with the crowd uh, that we don't usually get on a trip like this, uh, being that it's so outside of our norm and our comfort zone of how we do a live show for people. Sure. Which is mostly just for our people that like our band, is what, what we're doing it for. Uh, that makes it more fun, obviously, when the crowd reacts to what you're doing. Yeah. And that was awesome. And uh, we're just happy to be on this boat right now looking out at this beautiful scenery and uh, just getting into a different mindset and just preparing our ourselves for awesomeness. Like, the winter is now gone. We're all just ready for some beautiful sunshine and just happiness and just bring it on so we're parahoy 2018 before we get too far ahead just uh, introduce yourselves and what you play in the band for the listeners my name is mike weiss i play guitar my name is ricky mazada i play drums and you're listening to two-thirds of the original members of the the group yeah, shout out to Aaron. What's he up to right now? Aaron, I imagine, is wandering around, uh, maybe collecting food from the buffet that's been uneaten. That's what I think he's always doing. Absolutely. Um, the pain of the food being thrown out. So he's probably like vulturing somewhere in the, the his buffet. Vulture, his, vulture, his vulture game is stronger than ever. Yeah. Um, the man is always trying to make sure that no food is unnecessarily disposed of um he's just like in his element i think so he's he's probably off just enjoying the spoils whereas uh we have to be in here just working you know doing podcasts for us (laughs) yeah i also think he's at a place too where maybe his private life has taken a uh focus so i think like pictures and interviews might be tough for him mm-hmm. right now i don't know it's just speculation of course but yeah he's somewhere i don't know he's also the only person on the trip that didn't get to bring their significant other okay uh his wife is expecting a their second child and they can't bring their other child on because she's too old but yeah, everybody got to bring their wife or spouse. Um, one of the perks of this. But yeah, I, I actually don't know where he is. I have well, no idea. You guys have a lot of uh, obligations on the cruise going on, so I, I think he'll turn up. Yes, you'll see him somewhere. So let's start at the beginning, give listeners a little recap of how Me Without You got to this very... Uh, very uh, non-traditional but very exciting phase in the band's life of being a regular on a cruise that goes out every two years. How did Paramore, before even the cruise, how did Paramore first become close with me without you? Um, I think everybody has a different avenue of that. 
Um, do you remember your first encounters with them? I remember we got asked to do some shows with them in overseas. No, it goes way even before that. Didn't you sign like a record for Oh, yeah. I wasn't directly in contact with Haley with that. Her friend um yeah, asked me for an autograph of a CD, a 7-inch, sorry, vinyl. And um I just she said, uh, I was in Aust- we were in Australia and as you know, as you do once in a while, somebody asks you to sign something. So this girl said, I have a friend, her name's Haley. Could you just sign this for her? And I just wrote, you know, to Haley. Um, I, I think I actually wrote something kind of normal that made sense like, for a change because usually you just scribble something nonsense. And then a couple of years later, I saw an article in spin or ap or something with uh with Haley williams with that record and it was it was our record that i had signed for her because she's a me without you fan so turned out that was that was for Haley williams of paramore it's kind of cool like i uh i recognized it and um that was i guess what rick's talking about and i guess they just wanted to have us around for stuff like cool cool little tours and we started by getting an offer for southeast asia there was three shows we did with them and i met taylor and and Haley in person for the first time there and uh we just been kind of hitting it off and uh yeah yeah i kind of a similar thing someone gave taylor my number and one day i just was uh studying for a final and i got a text like hey man you don't know me i think it was bender gave him my number somehow they saw each other at coachella or whatever and then uh we just started talking for like a couple hours we texted that day and it was like cool i guess we're homies now (laughs) that's like just kind of how it went down it was cool that it was just like a personal to personal thing like i want to connect with you i'm going to find a way to connect with you kind of thing because uh, so often in like the music business or whatever, a lot of the things that go down are because managers and booking agents and bands don't ever really have a say. And it turns out most times if like the bands just contacted each other, a lot more things, cool things would happen, I think, rather than letting management control the action the bands control the action so that's kind of what they do when they have like these big like they took us to europe this year uh, i was already sold out before we were even on it uh, so they didn't need help selling the the venues out so we were playing to like 15 16 000 people in england that's something i never thought would ever happen like we're playing where like the greats played basically um how good we did i'm not sure i think we we did all right that's but cool. Yeah, so it's uh, it's all been really personal with those guys, which is a rare thing in this this world. Not this world, but uh, the microscope of the music world. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well known that they're big fans of Me Without You. Specifically, do you know what it was that originally drew them to your music? The awesome guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah. Um, the raw drums. <laughs> It just seems to be a time of, uh, I guess, when they were 
you know, just in that phase of life where you're just old enough to kind of get into cool shit. Sure. I guess they were like, you know, in high school and they just loved listening to, you know, post hardcore or whatever, like screamo or whatever it is that people used to refer to us as back then in like oh five or oh four, like when they were kind of like becoming they were like 17 or 18 okay so super young yeah even younger maybe 15 yeah like like i remember being that age i was only like 26 or 20 yeah 25 at that time. yeah but i just remember being 15 going to like my first show like going to see fugazi Mm -hmm. at the truck shout out to philly Shout out to the Sixers. Trust the process. Um, yeah, anyway, that was, uh, you know, a time, I think, where you just get into, like, real music that, like, sits with you for the rest of your life. Like, when you get into, like, that in that phase of your youth. Yeah. I think in, the timing was, like, we were just a band that had put out a couple records, and they were just there. That was just their thing at the time. And it just stuck with them, and they've just stuck with us through the years of all, every all the different stuff that we got ourselves into. I think they kind of they were just like, okay, like we trust these dudes are doing cool shit, and we just want to support them. And uh, believe me, like the the feeling is mutual. I mean, we just are completely in love with their band, and what they've accomplished musically is it's a rare level of of artistic uh quality and just their just everything they do after laughter is my favorite record they've done i think they just keep getting better and better and better so we love them so it's cool man parahoy yeah yeah we toured nashville like the east coast we were down there like four or five times a year so if you were into like alternative music at that time, you probably saw us either with other bands or it just was a circuit we were riding, yeah. which is cool. And, like, I think there were some festivals and stuff when they first started that we got to play with them unknowingly. We didn't know who they were. I could tell you, like, a wild story about when they were playing the first time I ever heard them, but I'm not going to. I was throwing up, and it was early in the morning. That's as far as the story goes. <laughs> While they were playing, so it was mildly stressful with the shakes and the sweats. That's all the story is. I mean, that's what happens out. You could start deducing what probably... (laughs) I was going through a breakup, all right? So it led to some things that led to some things. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just staying silent. It seems like more. Of the I know you want you want. I know what you're doing. I, I I see what you're doing. I almost yeah. It just was a long night. That's all. I was feel. I never really felt rough like that on the first two. But right when we first started sailing yesterday, oh, it was bad. I was feeling it like a little bit like nauseous in the head. Like ooh, this is different. I definitely threw up uh, yesterday. Right when we started sound checking, I was like, the boat's moving. I can feel it. And when I was playing during the set i would close my eyes and i could feel it even more it was Mm -hmm. a little rough but i wasn't seasick in said story i just thought i drank too much but turns out i didn't it was the boat yeah what i wanted to touch on before we started talking about uh seasickness was um i was a big fan of the tooth and nail bands back in the day when you guys were on the the label and it seems like with paramore too that 
it seems like their fandom came out of you guys being a part of that scene back then. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, were they like big fans of the label? You could tell. I don't know if they were big fans of the label. I know they definitely grew up kind of in that world where the label was like the label that you kind of got music from. Um, I don't know. We didn't really play with too many tooth and nail bands aside from like the solid state bands like yeah. Norma Jean, Beloved, and then later we <laughs> we did some tours with Under Oath. And all three of those bands we have mad respect for because one, they're friends, two, they were great at what they were doing and at time and place. Uh so it was almost like a little built-in world within the tooth and nail world of these bands that stuck together. Because there's a lot of tooth and nail bands that have come and gone that I don't know. And I wasn't that familiar with tooth and nail before we signed, aside from MXPX, which I grew up listening to that and going to shows. I thought that was like the punkest thing in the world when they would play punk rock show. Oh, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, man, that's not even really that punky. Uh Compared to like what was going on deeper and deeper in the world of punk music. But those records definitely got me hopping as a kid. And I learned about like some other bands through MXPX like that I probably wouldn't have ever known about. Um, they're kind of slipping my mind now. But 90 Pound Wuss keeps coming to mind uh, thanks to MXPX. But yeah. So yeah, I'm sure they were into that whole whole tooth and nail thing. It's definitely like its own world. I, I I think yeah, it's it's kind of funny because you ask about the tooth and nail era and all that. We kind of just dipped in and out of that whole thing with basically before being on the label, not knowing jack shit about any of that stuff. Like we just knew that you know they had really good distribution and that we could get into the studio that we got in the to. studio we wanted to get we into with the producer stoked. we wanted to yeah and look we'll, what and record was that? it was uh a to b life we recorded at inner ear and in yeah dc what, which is legendary to us yeah and they got jay robbins which was like oh my gosh how did they we manage this he was in Jawbox and when we got signed the tooth and nail yeah they treated us excellently yeah um is that a word? I don't know. With excellence. They were awesome <laughs> to us. And we, at the time, we just hooked up with so many awesome people to be on the road with. Um, Norma Jean was the first. <clears throat> just in terms of, like, the whole community of, of bands, they were, you know, it was just a really great um, community to be embraced by. And once we fulfilled everything, did our four records, and then... I haven't really paid attention to it since. Yeah, that's the only reason I ask if they're still labeled because I don't know um, if they are at yeah. this point. But that was because we did but our records. The original question was like Paramore liking tooth and nail bands. I I don't know. I guess they did. We just sort of, uh, you know, got wrapped up in it. And not, we just didn't even know what it was enough to even... I don't think when we recorded A to B Life that we thought we were even going to make a second record. Nah. Everything else was like gravy. It's yeah. like one of my dreams growing up was I just want to tour in a band. I just want to tour the country and play some music. And this is before I even really knew these guys. Just because that's what you're fed when you're like growing up kind of in like punk music. It's like get in the van, 
show flyers. Let's go play gigs to 10 people and that seemed dreamy. And then we kind of got it and just stayed with it for many years. Many, many, years. many years. Moons long ago. Yeah, and I know like spirituality and faith were big for them and still mm-hmm. are, and like it's been like evolving with them through their lives. And you guys and a lot of like the other tooth and nail bands, all in different ways, like put a spin on that. So I think that was another thing for them to connect with, and you know, yeah. lots of other people. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, that a lot of that's going to be Aaron's territory, sure. You know, because he's the mouthpiece of the band and the lyrics. And you asked earlier about what do you think they connected with, and I think. Haley probably definitely connected with Aaron. Yeah. Uh, I remember we played Bamboozle Fest in like 2005 in oh, Jersey. I was there. Yeah, and she and Aaron did a photo shoot. It was like, and we didn't know really who they were at that point. And it was like, they picked some artists and were like, who do you want to meet and talk to? And they did like a little mini interview. But I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't really know these people yet, but, uh, she really connects with Aaron is funny because Aaron's like this hobo hobo Willis looking guy and she's got this bright pink hair and I'm like that's just a weird connection um to make but that I think a lot of it's the lyrical content and probably the spiritual aspect of the lyrical content uh is a huge connecting point for her and a lot of other people that are into the band sure Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump forward a little bit, talking labels from Tooth and Nail. You guys put your last album out with Run for Cover. Future things coming with them? Because I saw you guys a photo with uh, Will Yip in the studio oh, recently. Saw that, did you? We've recorded some new songs that we want to share with the world, and we're talking to some labels. Run for Cover is one of them. And uh, we know something great's going to happen with it. It's just a matter of, you know ironing out all the details and uh the great news is we yeah we we made the album it's it's uh produced by will yip and um we're just yeah we're we're looking at making it um not a double lp that's 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 ridiculous um but yeah we have a lot of music and we want to just put it out um it's it's just uh you know what we do and yeah love run for cover though they they did a great job with our our last release and um just they get what we're doing they they support us and um how can you not you know 
appreciate that. We we really do. We're excited. Run for cover, I think, for us, is a good bridge to um, a different generation almost because they have, like, a lot of, like, Tiger's Jaw, Basement, Modern Baseball. Like, these bands that are – that if they were out, like, 12 years ago, we probably would have toured with them uh, to some extent. So signing to Run for Cover, it's kind of like we got, like, the elder status. and Sure. They respect, again, what he said. They respect what we do. We respect the hell out of what they do. And I really think the last record coming out, Pale Horses came out on Run For Cover, was like a the best move we could have made at the time. And, yeah, we finished a, a banger with Will Yip. A banger. It, a banger. All right. I'm, no, this, it bangs. Uh, I'm pretty pretty hyped on it. It took a long time to make, too. Like, we wrote it for, like, over a year. I was done my parts recording in September, and it's still not 100% done. Like, I'm going back into the studio the week we get home. So it's been this, like, uh, living thing for a long time. It's not like, oh, we just recorded in three weeks. We've had time to be like, oh, let's make some changes and adjustments based on what we're hearing. But, uh... Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool because we 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 created a lot of instrumental music, a lot, and then you just don't know until Aaron is sort of like done. Either a writing his parts to it, or b not really knowing what to do with it. And so in this stage, we're really like excited because a lot of the songs, not a lot, but like a few of these songs. We didn't even think we're going to be anything are now all of a sudden becoming songs. And it is been a long process, but I think, you know, sticking it out has really given Aaron an opportunity to like really um, revive some of these song ideas. And um, there's there's a lot of music that we have to 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 mess with now. so, yeah, we're just sort of getting into this final stages where, like, all the little odds and ends are getting tracked when we get home. And then, I mean, we'll, we get the mixes done. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, like Ricky said, it's a, it's a banger. Like, it just keeps getting he- kind of heavier and heavier as things keep progressing with it, which I'm cool with. I'm ready for that, personally. So not a double LP, but maybe like like maybe a long album is what I'm getting out well, of this. Well, definitely a long album, and then maybe an additional thing that's more more like we released an appendix with our last record, and that was a lot of demos and wacky ideas. Where whatever the second thing that might come out, it'll be more focused and have been recorded with Will as well. Yeah. But ha- having to pick what songs go on which thing it's been pretty apparent what we need to do yeah and like you said it's a lot of music it covers a lot of ground it covers like new heavy territory that i don't think we've ever been in as far as like where aaron's taken a a scream and then like instrumental territory that's like trippy weird stuff that we would never have even dreamed of doing because we thought we had to like stay in some kind of bo- box, trippy in like a heavy sense and 
in a chill sense. It's definitely, I think, the the summation of like our whole career is on this, and then some. Like the extension of obviously getting better at being musicians and more confident and stuff. I think it really shines on both ends of whatever this will be when it comes out in the fall. Pre-order now. <laughs> yeah, it's cool because we were trying to just take a, take stock of what we've done six records into being a band and just try to make sure that what we do now, it can't be just something that we know is going to work and, and a, like a better and bigger version of songs that we've done before. And because a lot of stuff for me started kind of coming out and it, I would just kind of forget that feeling. Oh, this kind of just doesn't really break us into something that, you know, takes us into, into somewhere fresh. Cause like what we wanted to do was just really, focus on what we're doing now, who we are now, what we are, how we want to make music. And like, just, I don't know. I think Ricky's right. It does kind of sum everything up in a way, but it also, to me, um, it was a, a chance for us to just push Aaron. Like he didn't want to come out covering the same old kind of subjects and like even seeing the way he usually does. And I, it's been kind of cool to see him just to kind of push himself into like some pretty heavy places. Um, really, really, really exciting. Cause when you're a band for 16 years, 17 years, you, you have to do something that's relevant to what you're doing now. You can't, I don't know. I just say you shouldn't just keep, trying to like recreate because that was our at least my for pale horses i really wanted to like focus on 2005 era 2006 you know like get back to the basics of what we do keep things in this like sort of focus whereas like for this one we just said just don't put any of those kind of parameters on anything and if you have an idea Let's just work on it. Let's just do it and just see what we are now. What is this band after all these years? Um, so the result is there's been a lot of material, a lot of really like extreme kind of sounding stuff, but also just a cool space where we've grown and like we're just really happy to finally put it all together into what will be our seventh LP order now. Yeah. Yeah, do, do you think with Run for Cover and you mentioned connecting with a younger generation of fans of this kind of music, do you think that's contributed towards wanting to just start fresh and kind of have this reinvention? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like what we created is true to who we are as individuals and musicians to the point where I was listening with some friends recently to it really loud and I kind of got lost in it and was like, oh, man, I can't believe we we made this. Like, this would be music as who I am and the the music I love, I would want to listen to. I think that's the hope every time you create something. Uh, But, yeah, as far as Rum for Cover, I don't know if the youths will connect to this. (laughs) I imagine, like, the 32-year-old who hasn't listened to, like, heavy music in a couple years – 
because he's got a job and some kids or whatever or just gave it up will hear it and be like oh man like let's break out the old records and stuff but it's not a nostalgic trip it's not a nostalgia trip at all it's like pretty forward yeah none of this for me has been nostalgic None of, this is, none of this for me has been nostalgic. For me, nostalgia has just bred that was A to B contempt and boredom. So I don't, I don't know who's gonna like it. Like with the run for cover, quote unquote, like kids or whatever you want to call them. I, don't, I just want to give people something that's gonna be a new sound from us that you are gonna appreciate if you. If you like are into it, I don't know. Yeah, I think you, by forty seconds into the new record, people will be s- surprised, and I think that's like what you always you want people to be like. Damn, I gotta like play that back instantly. That happens pretty early yeah. in this record, where yeah. you're just like, oh man, like just like the goosebumpy kind of feeling of hearing music that gets you pumped up. But we'll see. Um, what was that? I felt like I had something to say about the run for cover. I can't think of it now. I'm sorry. The pass. <laughs> Maybe jog the memory. Um, you know, people speak so highly of Will and like working with you guys and so many important bands from this group, like Title Fight, Tiger's Jaw, Circus Survive, mm-hmm. Anthony Green. You know, being in the studio with him and knowing him, how would you sum up what just makes him so special with working with him? I connect with will on a lot of levels but the most important one for me is the style that he takes when when he's working and it's just an it's just an intense it's a calm intensity that i connect with because he he just wants to get things you're 100 percent like focused in the moment doing just being your best self but like he doesn't mind the repetition and just like in the studio a lot of people can get burnt out trying to make music where you just you just are so laser focused and you just keep doing it over and over again and he is the kind of guy that because i love doing takes i just love the the shot like let's do it again okay let's do it because i'm i'm here to do this i love getting the opportunity maybe i'll do it better this time i i know i can do it and he just has that that style about him where he just believes in you and he knows how to really keep you in that that focused place that isn't frustrated but 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 actually just totally feeling positive and just good about about doing a fortieth take of something, or whatever, how many times you got to do it. I just think he and I like un- we understand each other. Just yeah, let's just keep let's just keep doing it till it sounds like we know that that's it. And he doesn't mind doing it, you know, that way. Yeah, I think Will. There's like a lot of logical reasons why working with Will is great for us. He's a Philly guy. We have a, a ton of mutual friends. He loves Philly sports. Besides all the things Mike has said, there's a relaxing there's a, a relaxing aspect to being 10 minutes from all of our front doors, basically, in a studio with someone who's familiar with all of our lifestyles. And like he said, like, Will will just keep 
pushing you, you'll be like, are you sure I didn't get that take? And I'll be like, no, there's this. But he does it in a way that he's not frustrated and he's totally calm and he pumps you up. Even when you're like, dude, I don't want to do another take. He'll be like, you got this, baby. You got this. And then you're like, all right, I got this. And then by the end of that process, you're like, yo, I want to do one more. I know I can get it better. I think that's everybody that's ever worked with him. It's like the inside joke that whole like push keep pushing you with a smile on his face. Sure. And that might stress some people out, but uh there's something about him. He's just a cool customer and I feel really lucky that we kind of fell into his life or vice versa. Cuz I before we even really knew him, I did I wasn't that familiar with his work. Uh I, I knew he worked with a balance and composure and some bands like that, uh, which I'm mildly friends with those guys, but everybody we knew had great things to say about them. And the studio is awesome too. Studio four. Yeah. The house of the lights, like every kind of amp, every guitar. It's just a really cool historic place to be in. Have you been there? No, I haven't. That'd be a great trip. Oh, dude, you should set something up with him. I should, yeah. I've, I interviewed him when he launched his Black Cement label about oh, yeah. like, working with Tiger's Jaw and launching that whole thing. That was really, really interesting. Cool, yeah. He's, a, a like I said, a great guy with a lot of great interests that go beyond music, but he's always in Studio 4. He's there, I imagine, always, like a cave dweller in the dark. <laughs> Sorry, Will, if you're listening to this. Yeah, Yip's the man. <laughs> yeah, we keep circling back to Philadelphia for good reasons. I'm interested in what it's been like to for you guys to watch this resurgence of indie rock and punk and hardcore and emo in Philly because it seems like in the past five years, maybe a little bit more than that, there's been a lot more of important bands coming from there. I live in Brooklyn. I grew up in New Jersey, and I've seen how a lot of that hub of that kind of rock music has kind of shifted from Brooklyn to Philadelphia over the years. And it's kind of old news now. It's It's been a thing. Philadelphia has been running that for a few years now. So what is that like from you guys being veterans of being around the area? What has it been like for you guys to see that? Yeah. I actually know a band that like moved there and now is kind of like a Philly band. Like the world is a beautiful place. To yeah. Yeah. They moved to Philly. It's like, Oh, you guys, most of them moved to Philly. But, yeah, there's a ton of great bands. Uh, one that just pops into my mind is Hop Along. Are you sure. Familiar with they them? just put out a record. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, and it's it's awesome. But Philly in the last couple of years definitely became like a, oh, there's all these bands coming out of Philadelphia. I think that just happens when, like, there's a scene small enough that people can grasp onto and want to be a part of before it just got too big. And it's been like kind of a cultivation and a hotbed of a lot of younger bands coming up quick. Uh, There's a lot I could rattle off. But it's almost like the new Brooklyn uh, when you go to Fishtown. Are you Mm -hmm. familiar with like the different areas? Yeah, that's where the Barbary is? Yeah, yeah, that area. Like to me, that's like mini Brooklyn light. Uh, And that happened in the last like eight or nine years. Just this explosion of like younger people moving to different parts of the city and doing house shows and starting labels and it's uh we were never really part of like a philly scene like when we first came out we had trouble getting shows in philly 
And then like the two big shows we got in Philly, the headliners canceled the day of. So, so close. So close. It was. Um, I think we had a show at at the. Um, how was it? Pontiac Grill. Pontiac Grill, which was Blood Dobbs Brothers. Blood Brothers, and they they canceled, and we were supposed to play with um, Bright Eyes maybe at the Rotunda or something like and that. Or maybe it was just Despacito. Yeah. Desaparecido. Yeah. Extra syllable in there. Yeah, we were just trying to get into the R5 kind of thing, whatever Sean, you know, mm. could do for us. We were just like, oh man, if we could just get, you know, from sort of being in the suburbs where we grew up and playing shows at, you know, whatever little like crappy you know weird venue we could get ourselves into then it was like oh man like oh, we just want to like getting in like to play the north star or like doing Forty Forty, which was actually um one of the early r5 venues um yeah we just sort of we we had to kind of wait until like even after ADB Life was recorded, we were Wait. we were like on a like a real label and like I I don't know if it was because it was tooth and nail there, but um yeah we we were latecomers to to like being a part of any kind of a Philly scene, um and like all of a sudden you become a band that just tours nationally and then Philly is just sort of like another show in yeah. the tour, so I don't know. Um, when I was growing up, it was all about the first Unitarian church and stuff like that. So once we got to do our own show there, which was not a part of a tour that, and it was like, actually people showed up to the show. It was, it was like, wow, like we are finally like kind of accepted here with the Philly scene. I don't know. I guess it's all the same whether or not you play the TLA or the truck or the electric factory versus like, you know, the church, but it's all the same people that are coming to see you. But, um, yeah, I love, I love, I'm so proud of our city. <laughs> um, I, I just am really, really grateful to have been around all the great music and like, Dr. Dog is always going to be in my heart forever as as one of my favorite Philly bands. Um, and, yeah, Hopalong is is going to be doing amazing things. When did their, their new record came out? Yesterday. Yesterday? Yeah. I have not even heard it yet. Um, Bark Your Head Off, Dog. That's it. Yeah. It's a cool title. Yeah, they're good. they're good friends of ours, and we toured with them, and Dom lives with Francis. Uh, Dom's our new bass player. So he's always in there, but they sold out the union transfer like a month out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. But like back to your thing, like you said, there's so many bands that I don't even feel like, I feel like we're kind of watching from the outside, watching all these younger bands come up because we don't, we don't get to play Philly that often. We can only play Philly like once or twice a year because we have to play like a big venue and we have to make sure it sells. But there's all these great shows, and I'm like, oh man, I'd love to play that with Tiger's Jaw at like Williams Party, Budweiser Fest, uh, <laughs> which that was a thing. He had like a Christmas party and uh, Turnstile and Tiger's Jaw played. It was pretty fun. But 
yeah, it's really cool to see like younger kids just still doing it, doing it for the rock music. You know, people want to say that guitar music's not a thing, but it is. I think. Yeah. yeah, we're we're just throwing out the invitation. Come to Philly if you if you're a musician, you're a band, and you want to be in a cool community with great great places to play. Philly is an amazing city for that. Plus, yeah. it doesn't hurt that um, we're on the precipice of an amazing sports era. Yeah. Go birds. Go Nova. Trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you mentioned the IY mentioned the elder statesman kind of thing. Tongue in cheek, of course. But over the last like when I say there wasn't a scene in Philly, we weren't a part of the scene when we first came out. It was very back then it was way more inclusive. And you had to like know people and a lot of bands that just new people got breaks and but over the years we've toured i made a list recently i think it was like 102 different bands we've toured with of those bands only like 12 are active today if that gives you any kind of scope of like the journeyman aspect of and a lot of them have just you know either outgrown themselves or just died out or broke up but we've like, and if you take a look at like the list, we've really crossed over so many styles of music and being able to perform with so many different kinds of bands and not just like, oh, we're doing Warp Tour every summer. Right. That's what we're doing. It's like we've gotten like these crazy opportunities. Even Paramore, does it make 100% sense that we're playing with these people in like arenas? No. But we're somehow able to chameleon ourselves while not selling ourselves out and being fake. It's just the body of work we created has transcended like one specific scene or style, I think. I think that's ultimately what I'm – yeah, or label. That's what I'm most proud of having done this for so long is that that we can just almost play with anybody barring like Megadeth. Yeah, uh, which is in why, that world, like, we actually did get offered shows with Megadeth, yeah, we which we line. we turned down. <laughs> yeah, like, it would have been bad. Yeah, we don't we don't feel like we're guided by like like you were saying like you know the Run for Cover, the label and all the awesome bands that are on that label and the fans of those bands. There there's going to be people that just like you know what we do, and there's going to be people that don't, and and we really just for a long time now have just sort of decided that um you know we just we know somebody's going to appreciate it it hasn't been mass numbers or anything like that but um more than anything else i think we just sort of have sustained ourselves with the with the knowledge that we we've put made made a record that that uh, excites us it gets us talking to each other it gets us thinking it gets us turning up the volume when we're listening to it and it gets us engaged in a way like yeah this is worth our hard work this product whatever you want to call it a product a song an experience whatever like a lyric a line something that we've got gotten to put together together it's uh you know it's it's actually worth all the traveling and all of the the heartache and 
being away from your family and, and all the sacrifices that you make, it's, you know, it comes down to like, yeah, I'm proud of this. This is something that I'm going to look back on for the rest of my life and say, you know what? It didn't go platinum. You know, uh, a lot of people decided not to not to come to our show, you know, but for the people that did for the anybody that ca- that cared, it's like we we got to do this and it, and we're damn proud of it. We're just so happy uh, to have had the opportunity to work with so many great producers, like not so many, but so many times we've gotten to work with a great producer, whether it's Brad Wood or Will Yip or Jay Robbins uh, or Dan Smith or whoever, we've gotten to make music that we really believe in and like here we are still doing it like I, I, i'm amazed so and just you know doing a podcast with you just to it right now it's just still really cool um to me so we just want to keep sharing it with people so in the fall fans can expect the new album i would say that's pretty safe assumption what it's called yet i'm not sure and i don't even know if i could tell you if i wanted to but that sounds like a nice album title right there yeah exactly what it's called yet i'm not sure and i couldn't really tell you if i wanted to yeah i don't know what uh my gag order is but yeah there there'll be new music i'm hoping for the fall more than anything yes very exciting anything else you guys want to throw out there um you know i'm not really good with these open questions i wish like i had something more to to share with the world. I don't have like a burning message. Like you need to have one ready to go. Yeah, a burning message. I just I only care if the the band sounds good uh, when we're supposed to sound good. And then high five me, say what's up. I'll be happy to to have a drink with you or whatever, but my only focus is if the band is on. Yeah, that's it. That is the show. Hope you enjoyed that one. Thanks again to those guys for taking out time from their very fun cruise and all their activities, their seasickness to chat with me. Yeah, it was it was really cool because I was I was really into their their old label Tooth and Nail when I was in high school. When I was just like getting really into music, kind of becoming the becoming the music fan I am now and. It was it was fun to look back on that with those guys. So be on the lookout for the new album. Follow them at Me Without You on our, all their socials. Get the updates. Follow Will Yip, their producer, on on socials. He's really fun too. Excited to see what they have in store for us. And I'll have more of these interviews coming your way very soon. We do this podcast, Alternative Facts, once a week, sometimes even twice a week, all different days to make sure you get it automatically. Subscribe to the show. Search for hashtag alternative facts, all one word, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, leave us some feedback. That's always super helpful. What you like, what you don't like about the show, what you want to see, artists you'd like to see on the show, and a star rating. Super helpful. Give us that star rating. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at plane. I'm always dropping little hints about what's coming up on the show. And uh, yeah, so until next time, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll catch you later. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.